Okay, let's go. Hello, everybody. This is uh, Rob, and we've got Jay, and we've got a guest. Uh, it's Amber Weinberg. Hello, Amber. Hello, guys. Thank you for joining us. Let's start with a little introduction. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. I am the head of the development team at Studio Simpatico. Um, we're like a small, less than 10 person agency in New York City. Uh, I've been a front end developer for about 25 years. I think that's longer than you, Rob. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I, I was 12 and I taught myself. Um, so I don't know if that oh, counts. That's amazing. But... It counts. MySpace? Actually, no. I predate MySpace. So I started when I, uh, back in 1990, I don't know, like six or something, making Sailor Moon websites. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a hook somewhere. Sailor Moon, that's it. Yeah, I remember I mentored my fellow middle school students on how to make websites because all the teachers had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> That's awesome. I think actually the first time I typed HTML was around the same year. A friend of mine, we were playing games, I think some Star Wars space shooter game or something in his attic room, and he had a book on HTML. But then I ditched it for years and only tried it again after high school. But Oh, no, that's, man. That's a long time. I was the table master back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I feel like a child now compared to you two. Surrounded by dinosaurs. Well, aren't you like 12, Jay? Yes, I'm 12 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> that's okay. I feel like everybody is a child compared to me. I feel old now. I'm only 37. 37? Yeah. That's young. I'm 39. Oh, man. Now you're, you're, now you're my grandpa. So. Yeah, right. You're in your last year, Rob, right? Everyone dies after they're 40. I think so. <laughs> I think so. I'm not looking forward to it, I got to say. But, um, oh, well. Let's not talk about age too long. This is depressing. <laughs> At least it's depressing me. <laughs> Although that does lead me in nicely. We're going to talk about a few things this episode. Uh, we're going to leave Amber's section till the end i think we're gonna talk about the news first but there was something that i wanted to volunteer i thought it was only fair because of uh, rob's admission last episode i don't know if um, you've managed to listen to that amber but basically rob quit mastodon a few weeks back and um he was brutally honest about why he did so in the last episode saying that it wasn't great for his mental health as social media is or is not these days so I thought it was only fair that I, I level up this episode and tell you about my little journey. So as we're just talking, we're all of an age now. And I thought it was a good idea, why not, to sort of get like a, a total health check, one of those doctor things where you, you get everything measured and yeah. et cetera, et cetera. I thought I'd come back with flying colors, I'm not going to lie. And then it came back that the doctor said that my cholesterol level was too high. And so the, the way they measure cholesterol is normal, high, very high, or extremely high. So I was very high, so enough to make me do some research and, and try and adjust my lifestyle. And one of the things I found out, I'm not saying it's the total cause of it, but um, apparently 
if you drink too much coffee, it can raise your cholesterol level by between, I think like seven and 10%, which is quite a lot. Really? Yeah. So I, I wanted to, I wanted to share my, my coffee research with all the listeners, because I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure there are a lot of listeners to drink a lot of coffee. Well, define a lot because a lot can be anything. Well, there are nuances. So basically, if you drink drip coffee, which I imagine if you're in the US, you probably do drink drip coffee, right? Mm -hmm. Where you, you've got the, the sort of transparent jug that you put in and then it, it drips down and then you pull it out. Like a, a standard kind of US office job. Yeah. Through, through a filter, right? Yeah, it goes through a filter. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I drink. Okay, well, then you're fine. <laughs> you can switch off for the next five minutes. Uh, basically, if you drink <laughs> through a filter, like a paper filter, then you're okay. But it becomes a problem if you use something like either a French press or also known as a cafetiere. Mm. Because with those methods, what happens is the, the oil from the coffee, because coffee has like built-in oil and the water that you drink mixes together and that can raise your cholesterol because the coffee oil is not great for you however apparently you should only worry so if you don't use the drip <laughs> the drip method so if you use, say like a french press and you have more than four cups a day which i probably do have more than four cups a day then that can that's a lot yeah but you know you sat at your desk and it's like a break for yourself right you go make a cup of coffee and I like a hot drink to muse over. So anyway, so wake up and pay attention. If you use a French press coffee and you have more than four cups a day, you could be raising your cholesterol by between seven and 10%. That's insane. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. I always thought coffee was quite good for you, but apparently if you use the wrong method and have too much of it, then it's, it's bad for you. Now, now we just need to know, does Amber drink coffee and, and what type and how much? Yes, I, as a matter of fact, I have the equivocal white American female drink called the pumpkin spice latte. Um, nice. <laughs> but I only have Lovely. one coffee a, a day because I have okay. a... You're fine then. Yeah. The danger zone. Yeah. I, I would have thought being British that your drink of choice would be tea. Am I being um, stereotypical there? That is a stereotype <laughs> that I refuse to accept. No, I do drink tea every now and again, but I'm actually drinking green tea now because apparently that's good for cholesterol. Oh, green tea, that's, that's the devil's piss water. No, it's, no, 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 no. Disgusting. No. If you flavor it, if you brew it and flavor it right, that's the key. Yeah. I've tried. I just, I, bleh. If it's, got... if it's bitter, then it's wrong. You've done it wrong. Yeah, so I have green tea with uh, mint infused. So it's sort of minty. Refreshing. But once the stereotype, British stereotype of him is correct, I found out he does drink a lot of beer. <laughs> I am actually, I'm actually tracking my alcohol now because alcohol is another huge risk increaser for cholesterol. Yeah, you got to watch that. It'll give you gout too. <laughs> Sorry to get you down, Rob, but... <laughs> no, it's okay. Well, it's good on you. And thanks for sharing this. This medical PSA. Yeah. So I'm trying to get away from death's door at the moment. Cheers to that. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> we can talk about the news now. <laughs> the news. Uh, do you want to start that one out? I think top of the list is an article you wanted to share. 
Yeah, so you almost tried to nix this, Rob, because you said you were, you were sick of hearing about chat GPT. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, all the, <laughs> all the, the complexities of ethics and things like that. But every now and again, I'll come across something good with ChatGPT. So one thing I found interesting was, I don't know if either of you follow Leonie Watson on Mastodon or... Oh, I'm gone. Leonie Watson is an accessibility engineer and a member of the W3C board of directors. Anyway, the, the one thing about her is if you've read her, her website, uh, she's blind and she never used to be blind. She, I think she contracted diabetes at some point. Um, during her teenage years and then she slowly became more and more visually impaired I'm sure if she's 100% blind but anyway one thing she signed up for so if you heard of be my eyes have you heard of be my eyes no only through you so be my eyes is a kind of community thing where if you're blind you uh, sign up to the service and if you ever need a pair of eyes so to speak then you can connect through your phone with like a volunteer who then sees your your phone camera and can tell you what's going on in the world around you so say you needed to put makeup on and you didn't want to look like a clown or something you would connect and and they would sort of describe what you look like how to put makeup on um yeah that's fantastic yeah yeah it's supposed to be i mean she said be my eyes is one of the most remarkable apps to have emerged in recent years and i I actually know another person that's um blind in in her 50s and she thinks it's amazing as well and what they've done is they've got this new thing called be my ai which instead of contacting a volunteer it runs through chat gpt to describe pictures so you would take a a picture with your your smartphone and it would try and i guess give you alt text to describe what was in the picture and she said it's it's pretty incredible but there is a catch, she said. It gets quite a few things wrong. So the whole like chat GPT always lies thing is, yeah. is still a little bit a little bit true. Yeah, the, the same problem arises then, right? How, how would you know if, if the description you get is actually correct? Yeah, um, that's yeah. true. Yeah. But but the I, I mean the idea and that the the use case for AI that it's brilliant to help people with disabilities out like that is just amazing. Honestly, I feel like that's the first time I've heard a very good use for, you know, AI in this context. Um, so it's, it's currently in an early beta. So I guess you can expect that it's not t- totally accurate, but it is pretty cool. So yeah, I just wanted to highlight the, the positives as well as the negatives of ChatGPT. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, next on our list, where actually was something you added, Jay, and I only read about this like like an, uh, 30 minutes before we started recording, were the four new CSS features for smooth mm-hmm. entry and exit animations. And mm. it blew my mind. I was like, this is what I wanted 12 years ago when, when CSS3 came around and we could start it to use transitions and animations. And, and basically, if I understand correctly, it's the ability to animate the display property. So you can actually animate from display block to none and vice versa. And yeah. there's, a, there's, there's some examples of it with um, pens and recordings. So you, we'll share that in the show notes. But that took me by surprise. I want that. Same. <laughs> yeah, right? 
Yeah, we we use our own JavaScript uh, thing we built called Jazzy Scroll um, and Jazzy Animations, and this would replace a good chunk of that, just being able to have two different states between sticky and not sticky. Um, I'm a bit confused now. You said sticky, not sticky, right? Oh, uh, that, that's what... I'm sorry. That's okay. Are we talking about the same thing? Are we? I think, <laughs> I think Amber might be talking about sticky stuck. The sticky no, stuck oh, thing. I'm sorry. Oof. That's all right. I might have we to edit that, that well. out. Sorry. No, no, no that's cool. <laughs> well, no, no, I was okay. looking at the animation from the scroll-driven animation, and it's as he scrolls down, his little sticky header becomes smaller and moves over. That's under the scroll-driven animations. That's what I was looking at. <laughs> yeah, and the, th the thing I opened is the entry and exit animations link, but I'm not sure if Jay sent you that. Maybe he didn't. Um, maybe I was I looking at the Brahmas Mastodon link. Yeah, I'm sending you the link now. Uh, <gasps> Jay. <laughs> but this, this is a good metaphor for the state of CSS these days, where you can't keep up how many things right. are happening. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did not get this link. I'm sorry. I wondered what the deer in the headlights look you both gave me was. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is she talking about? <laughs> so you were looking at shrinking header plus shadow, right? Yeah, from Bra the Mastodon pose from Brahma's yeah, on the scroll-driven animations. I was just so excited for the animations, you know. <laughs> me too. I guess we should talk about that one first then. <laughs> So we're talking about sticky stuck? Sticky stuck? No, we're actually talking about scroll-driven animations. <laughs> Whatever, man. It, sticky stuck is part of that, isn't it? I don't think so. I think he's oh, animating okay. the shadow. Yeah, it could, could have been that way. but um... Yeah, so sticky stuck is, is to do with sticky, sticky positioning, right? Which you've moaned about before, Rob. It's not always as flexible as you want it to be. Well, there's whenever I use sticky, it, it's usually to to stick some toolbar to relative to the viewport somewhere, right? And and it oftentimes when you scroll past it, you you want to add a shadow, for example, to create some depth. And you have to do this with JavaScript, since since whenever position sticky was around. Um, but now there's a proposal to use container queries, uh, so you can query for uh, is an element actually stuck or not, then style it. So that, that's, that's awesome. First thing I thought when I saw it was, whoa, that's super verbose. It takes like quite a lot of lines to do this because they use container queries. Why isn't this uh, like a pseudo selector? So you could do uh, colon colon stuck or something and then style something. But there, there's been an ongoing discussion on how the spec should be. And I honestly couldn't follow along. Um, but they, they settled up upon this because this made most sense apparently so I, I trust all the good folks but yeah to style stuff that is sticky is is like a superpower another more bits of javascript we can ditch which is always good yeah that would be fantastic i'm just sending you both as another demo do you know that trick where if something starts to overflow horizontally oh or, yeah or vertically then you want like a shadow but when it displays all the items when it's wide enough, then you don't want a shadow. This is the Dave Rupert one, isn't it? Yeah, so you can do that now with scroll-driven animations. 
Are you going to need to open it in Chrome? Apologies. I was about to say, I, I have to give you guys a caveat. Um, I am on Firefox, one of the very few last dinosaurs. I still That's use fun. Firefox as my daily <laughs> driver, but I, I use, uh, yeah, Chrome as my, as my sort of dev environment. Oh, this is cool. Yeah, we do this in JavaScript and position sticky. Yeah, no longer needed. And just natively now, isn't that amazing? Oh, yes. Actually, um, one of the devs on my team is really famous for coming up with very smart solutions like this. And he's done something similar with the position sticky on the title row. Yeah, that's cool. Basically, our whole new section today is a bunch of examples surrounding uh, elements being stuck, uh, not stuck, scroll-driven animations and, and viewport-based animations. It's just... Uh, we're all getting to see it now, and it's. I. It's I kind of feel like that might start being its own role, like a, almost like a front end animator, but like based solely in CSS animations, because. That's the role that I'm hoping to fulfill one day. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> because I've been I've been sort of stubbornly stuck with CSS for for ages, like not wanting to do other front end stuff, and. I feel like a load of developers are like, oh, it's not enough to know CSS. But now I feel like it's finally getting to the point where I can say, no, 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 you don't know how to do any of this stuff. I can do it. So I'm very excited for all the complexities coming, even though it, it does make it, yeah, a little bit more to get your head around. But it's, it's very exciting. I mean, basically, you kind of reach the point where you want to do this stuff anyway, if the client wants it. And so what you're going to do, you're going to do it in JavaScript or you're going to do it in CSS. If you can do it in CSS, you, you do it in CSS, right? Exactly. Also, for the Firefox users like me and Amber, there is, <laughs> um, there is a polyfill for scroll-driven animations. Um, See, I'm it. still not a fan of polyfills. Me neither. <laughs> I'd rather just let it go so it doesn't work. Um, yeah. Because it's, it's like an enhancement anyway, right? But if someone was insistent on it, then it's there. I think I, I'm a little bit different here. I, if, if I had to implement animations like this today, I would simply still use JavaScript because it works. Yeah, I think I would too. And, and I would love to do it in CSS, but I, I, I probably couldn't, couldn't sleep as well if it only worked in the latest version of Chromium. Really? Yeah. I think it depends I, I, on what it is. Like if it's just a tiny, because um, it's the same for has in Firefox. If it's mm -hmm. just like a tiny little added visual True, yeah. thing then i go ahead and use it and i'm like agree you know, whatever yeah. but if it's important then it you know then i make yeah i would use javascript and it's just awesome that we can do this stuff natively in css but it's it's not like it's bad to do it with js it css would be our preferred way right and it would work uh, with the best optimization um but but yeah I don't think there's anything wrong. I just hope hope all those browsers move in soon enough. So, yeah. There's nothing inherently wrong with JavaScript. It's just, you know, always more resource intensives yep. and things like that. So you just got to be more aware. And so when you have a better replacement, it's good to use. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with JavaScript inherently. Mm -hmm. no. Agreed. True, I agree. Some other news, an article I, I don't think we have to cover all the contents, but I just wanted to share this article. It's Modern CSS for Dynamic Component-Based Architecture by Stephanie Eccles. Um, 
And as you, as most of you know, I use Tailwind a lot. You guys use native CSS and there's this whole war going on all the time and everybody gets tired <laughs> of it. But the reason I wanted to share this article is because it's a fantastic resource upon how to do modern CSS. Um, and, and I love that it's, the article just tells you, hey, this is CSS and this is all the modern cool day stuff you can do with it without kicking down people or other technologies. Um, so I found this a, a very positive and fantastic resource. I'll second that. It's, it's a brilliant article. The only thing I would add is that this is really good for those people that are using Tailwind and are curious how the world's moved on since yeah. we stopped using vanilla CSS. Uh, this is a good insight into that because the one thing I worry about is the people that use Tailwind probably have used it for a, for a couple of years now and they just compare it to how old CSS was written. But now there's just like so many rich features of CSS that it's a lot more maintainable and readable than it used to be. Yeah, I'm guessing most, most devs probably know we, we, we have custom properties in CSS. And I'm, I'm with you. I think people stopped, probably stopped at some point and, and don't know how you, stuff like clamp, min, max, um, yeah, even things like cascade layers, which True. Uh, yeah took me a, a little bit of time to get my head around, but uh, really avoids any like specificity problems that um, you can wrap your your legs into when you write vanilla CSS. I think it's kind of cool that I feel like CSS has gotten the language has gotten so big that there's now a little bit like like I was saying, if you wanted to specialize just in animations, you know, you could, but like even now with componentizing and stuff like that. It, it's interesting how different we can build our websites. Cause when I was looking at some of these, I was like, I don't see how I would need these features, but it's cool mm. that they exist for other people, you know, or for larger websites. And now CSS isn't just, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I guess it's a lot of people look at it as, you know, a, a baby language, a starter language. You know, you can only do a set limited things. And it's it's just amazing how far it's come since it was, you know, introduced in what, the late 90s? It is amazing. I agree. Yeah, yeah because there's a, there's a lot of new features that are coming down the pipeline that I don't think even I need. So there's the new one called um, Scope. It's like at Scope. Yeah. We'll probably talk about it in another episode, but I'm like struggling to understand if I need that. But if I don't use it, it's fine. I don't need to use it. It might be useful for a huge project where people want to use vanilla CSS, but they have to run like a huge design system or something. That's when you're going to start running into specificity yeah. problems. Exactly. Like that. But you don't need to use it. And even cascade layers, I don't need to use cascade layers. I only use it because I think it's a cool sort of like belt and braces approach where you can't get yourself tied into specificity knots if you use them. Not that I do anyway, but it, it's nice to know that it, it's there to catch anything that, that falls through the gaps. So I would say it's matured in a way that you can now consider it for larger, more complex projects. Whereas before, even I'm like, yeah, I can understand why you'd use Tailwind I, I, if you're in a big team and things. So it's just nice to have other options. Yeah, with, with, with new CSS features, I remember from writing a, a, a vanilla CSS is that I, I knew about certain features, uh, but I was like, what? what? How? 
I, I just don't get it. At the same, I, I read through Brahms's article about scope a few times, and at, at a certain point it clicked because because yeah, we're gonna have to talk about it in some episode. But um, I just remember that with all these CSS features, at some point during a project, you're gonna need them, and then you're gonna figure out and it's going to click and you think, oh, of course, that's how it works. And then you improve your workflow for the next side. So yeah, don't use them if you don't want them, but it's great I agree. that it's there. Even um, uh, container queries, I've, I've barely touched because I don't think I need them a lot of the time. Yeah, same. Yeah. But it, I, I did run into one particular problem where I reached for them and it was cool, but it's not going to be my default, but, but that's fine. Even like CSS Grid, I use about 10% of the spec, but it's great for, for that 10% that I want. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I think that was the news for today. Yeah. I think we've completed CSS today. <laughs> yeah. We're done. So it's, it's time to talk about you and to hear about, about your work, Amber. Can you tell us a bit about your agency and, and your role therein? Uh, sure. Um... So, like I mentioned before, I, I work for Studio Simpatico, and... Uh, I love that name, by the way. I, I do, too. I did not come up with it. <laughs> um, we are um, women-led, so uh, the owner of the awesome. company, Tamara, she worked for Google, and she has, like, a ton of experience, and she was actually a client of mine back when I was freelancing, and um, she created her own agency and uh, became my favorite client. And then one day offered me a job. And I was like, you know what? I never thought I'd go back to regular full-time work, but she's so amazing that I wanted to work for her full-time. That's fantastic. Yeah. Why, do you, why is she, was she such a great client and why is she such a great employer? So I find that, you know, obviously it's very rare to find a woman-led agency. So I, I like that. She's just, she's great to work for. She's very empathetic. Um, our studio, the way we work, it doesn't really feel like, I remember my last job um, out of college, it was like, you know, I'm your boss and you will do this work. And there was yes. a very clear hierarchy. Whereas I feel like in our company, we're almost like a group of we're just a group of professionals working together almost. It, it feels very, you know, you're in charge of your own work. There's no one over your shoulder. And everyone's very free to, you know, do the best work they can, you know. And, and you're not just, you don't have this little manager demon on your shoulder breathing down your neck. And that's phenomenal. Yeah, I was going to say that's, that's pretty hard to find. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I, I am very, like, protective. This is the first and only job where I've just been fiercely protective of everybody because it's just, you don't find a job like that, you know? Like, I'm not, I'm not like, trying, I don't get paid to say this. <laughs> this no. is not an advertisement. But it, it really is just the, the culture that, you know, we've all strived to make. There's no drama. We all care about each other. It's a very small, I think we're, is seven or eight now i can't remember but you know like we're very small so we all know each other it's not like that dude in accounting that you've seen once in a year you know yeah yeah that's that sounds brilliant it was my biggest gripe when, when i worked for a boss 
uh, an agency. It was exactly like what you described. I'm the boss. There's a hierarchy. I don't really want to listen to your valid arguments because I've already decided how it needs to be done. Um, and that sucked. That sucked the energy out of yeah out of work. And yeah, yeah. She uh, we're great. Like even the newest person on the team can suggest something. And, you know, if it's a better process, we're like, yes, let's do it, you know? And, and that's really nice because you, you feel, like I said, you feel like an adult and you're treated like an adult. Yeah. And you should be because you have 25 years of experience. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Jay mentioned you worked remote, though. Yes. Yes. So um, the agency was originally New York-based, and it still kind of is, but now we have... Uh, I was the first fully remote employee. Um, I started in 2019 before the pandemic, and then the pandemic hit, and we all became remote, remote. employees. Yeah. So now we have somebody in LA. We have somebody in Montana. Uh, most of our group is still New York, New Jersey based, but even some of them like go between Florida, you know, and then or all over. So it's pretty cool. Great. Well, what's your what's your role within the within the team? So I lead the development team. Um, there are four of us. Um, let's see, me, Evan. <laughs> you think I'd work with these guys every day? Yeah. <laughs> you <know? laughs> think I would remember? Um, but yeah, I, I lead the development team. Um, I do kind of the setup of all the new projects. We pretty much work exclusively in WordPress. So I'm the one who sets up the build and I'm very picky about the way the code is structured and the theme and stuff is structured. So I take care of all the setup. I try to get all the like desktop designs translated into WordPress. And then a lot of times my team will come behind me and start doing mobilizing and stuff. Cause we like to do right. a desktop down approach instead of a mobile first. Is there a particular reason for that? Curious. Um, so yes, I personally prefer to do that because that's the way my brain thinks. Um, I, it's hard for me to think backwards, but also clients, Clients don't really want to see the mobile designs often. No. They want the desktop designs. And so what we often do is we end up building the desktop out first because they want to get into the website. They want to go ahead and start adding their content and moving things over. So they can do that. If I finish all the desktop you know, versions first, they can do that. And then I can go in page by page and start you know, the mobilization and browser testing and things like that. Um, I, I've actually gone on a similar journey just in that I now uh, code out the, the desktop version first, mostly because I find the desktop is much more difficult to get right. Yes. Yeah. The most difficult design really is on like the 27-inch monitors where you need to kind of adjust the um, yep. the proportions because it just doesn't directly translate. You kind of have to maybe make the head a little bit bigger but then keep the body just a tiny bit bigger that's mostly why i do the desktop first because it's just the hardest and if you can crack that then working your way down feels like a exactly snake. 
it, it yeah. feels a lot easier and also we're so integrated with the design side they have built their design grid to and we have our dev grid and they match up really well so actually when they do desktop designs sometimes they'll do the mobile design sometimes they'll just leave it for us to translate but a lot of times it just collapses so well and so easily because of the way we've been able to sort of integrate our our grid systems together if that makes sense yeah that that's that's actually my experience i the whole mobile first thing um it was not completely a buzzword at the time but i think it's more a realization of um hey folks um 50 of your users or even more are going to be on mobile so don't forget right. mobile right um and mobile first with the would technically be the shift between max width or min width queries. But I also start with um, with the desktop design, like like Jay says, because it's the hardest, but also it's the most fun. Mm -hmm. I just enjoy that a lot more. And because of the way I work and because of the tools I use, I just scale down the browser and then the mobile design usually is there already. Yeah. With min width queries. And then you, you just tweak it. Uh, make sure the fonts are correct, even add some mobile jokes or funny things or animations. Yeah, I think we all work similarly that way. That's One cool. thing we don't work similarly with <laughs> is, so we kind of half wanted to get you on here to talk about WordPress because Rob and I spend a lot of our time sort of musing over what's going on in WordPress world, probably unfairly casting comments when we don't really use it. I've listened to every episode. I know. Have you? <laughs> what the hell did we say, Jay? I don't know, but we want to be I fair. was yelling at the phone at one point. <laughs> Amber's come on here to set the world right. <laughs> I was going to actually give a shout out. One of our friends, Jesse. Leet. Jesse Leet. There you go. Um, Jesse Leet has another podcast. Well, I'll just give a shout out to called Campfire Coders. And it's fun. It's good. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit nerdy. I'm sure he won't mind me saying that, but nerdy in, in a good way. I am sure they know. But one thing he, he said on one of the episodes, which really resonated with me, was he said, how often do we bash a piece of tech or an application purely because we don't use it or understand it? And that is 100% true. Like Anything you yeah. don't use, you want to kind of write off in your mind and... Yes and no. I mean, I, I will go ahead and say up front that you guys were not wrong about Gutenberg. But I separate Gutenberg and WordPress. That is one of our big questions, though, is I know. how do you do that? <laughs> because I'll tell you why. Because, because Gutenberg, right, it's, it's quite clear that Gutenberg is not going to go away. WordPress have made their beds on Gutenberg. And yes and no. I wonder how you consolidate that in your mind. <laughs> and continue using it because it's such a foundation of their community at the moment even though it's criticized to hell so i have done both gutenberg and non-gutenberg websites i am not a i'm very vocally not a fan of gutenberg however it is useful in more in some cases um could, could you tell us why or why you're not a fan oh my gosh so many uh, let's see. The design is kind of hard to use. The, the UX isn't the most intuitive. It's extremely buggy. Um, Still? 
still very buggy. A lot, uh, of, lot of accessibility issues, but it's the it's the bugginess that really bothers me the most. Um, That's unbelievable, though, because they've been developing it for years. Because I went to I went to a WP conference in mm-hmm. Vienna in 2018. That's five years ago now. I mean, some CMSs haven't even been around for five years. Oh, it's been no. they, it's been in development a lot longer than that. No. So it, it's just it's because the problem is is that obviously, you know, everyone knows WordPress started as a blog, not a CMS. So that was the first yep. issue. And then instead of kind of doing a complete rewrite, they just started bolting more and more features on. And then they've tried to bolt on Gutenberg, which is like, you know, it's it's yet another JavaScript library because it's React, right? I've done a couple sites in it. Um, there were larger publisher websites who had already, you know, used Gutenberg and and really needed to use it because their old content was um, had a lot of Gutenberg blocks. Yeah. So I went to into it trying to block all the normal glu- Gutenberg stuff because I didn't want them messing up. I like up. Gutenberg. <laughs> Gutenberg, yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, Gutenberg. There you go. Um, <laughs> But trying to block all this stuff so that they didn't, you know, put their foot in it and mess up the design or, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's honestly a mess. You end up spending more time turning stuff off than actually like devving. Um, Yeah. And it's just, it's just clunky. It's hard to use. It's not very accessible and we constantly have to squash bugs for it. It's just... It's a pain in the ass. And I, so for like 99% of the websites, um, if we don't need Gutenberg, we use ACF Pro and we have a second plugin called ACF Extend, which is amazing. I wish they would merge into one plugin. Um, but we have Gutenberg completely turned off. So there's no site builder, there's no Gutenberg. It looks like the older version of WordPress. Do you still have to use that classic editor? plug-in no. for it oh good acf extend takes care of that um they've ah, got right. they they add a, like so many options on the site and we just keep it turned off yeah because i because i remember i had to usually i would replace the default editor anyways with some acf page yeah. builder thingy um i'm sure the classic editor was in there at some point for some reason i forgot but it, it was supposed to be deprecated so that told me hey uh, WordPress is really gonna shove this up yours. Uh, they really want you to use this. This is clearly their direction, like Jay mentioned. Um, yeah. Why, why, why would I change, try to change software into something that it doesn't want to be? Which, which, yeah, for me was the point. Okay, maybe I should just look at something else and invest time in that. Um, which is hard because you got to change a lot of stuff in your company, then especially. Yeah. Your company is, yeah. is bigger. I'm, it, it, it's only me, but you, you, you're, you're with 10 people. So. so a lot of our clients come to us specifically because we do WordPress. So I don't think like if we wanted to change CMSs, it would be kind of a hard sell for our current client base. But mm-hmm. I still, I'm still a massive fan of WordPress. Just the amount of documentation out there, like you can Google almost anything, how to do yeah, whatever true. in WordPress, and you will immediately find 20 different ways. It's like um, it's like Microsoft Excel, right? If you want to solve any problem in Microsoft Excel, yeah. someone else has asked it, so you can get yeah. the formula. So yeah. I, I, it's interesting because I do feel like the WordPress community did split in half. So you have 
this side of the community is all Gutenberg WordPress. And then you have this other side of the community that's like us and does kind of an ACF WordPress almost. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was in the latter camp. I always used ACF and I loved it. Yeah. Um, it made WordPress for me bearable. Yeah. It often, it's, yeah. If you look at ACF Extend, it's they really need to buy out that company and merge because it makes it brings ACF the the last twenty five percent of the way. You know the uh, the things that it's missing. It comes with like more fields and more like locations, and you can do conditionals, and it's pretty amazing. And it does turn WordPress into like a full CMS. But my my impression was that if you add like traditional WordPress with ACF and ACF Extend, then you kind of get what Craft or Satamic is in a way, because because yes. Craft and Satamic are, you know, they have all these different field types. And I just wondered, is it really just because your your clients are so insistent on WordPress that you wouldn't consider switching to a different CMS? Because Gutenberg is more like a page builder from what I've seen. Yeah, um, we make our own page builders using the flexible content fields, but we also use, so part of Extend comes with layout, more like layout blocks. So I can do like columns and kind of mimic what the front end would look like. Right. Um, but yes, you're right. I used, um, I actually built a couple websites out with Craft and really liked Craft. It's the point that, you know, you have to pay. It's just, it's a, a lot of clients have been using WordPress for 10 plus years and that's what they want to use. And that's what we're well versed in. We know all the quirks, all the bugs, you know, we know how to give a, uh, we have a lot of nonprofit clients, so we know how to kind of give them the extra mile without it costing extra money, you know, cause we can quickly spin up kind of a back end. Yeah. It, it is, I, I feel the pain is like a lot to leave a CMS because yeah. I've, I've been there. <laughs> and, I, and I still love, I, like I said, I love the original WordPress and I'm going to keep, until they somehow force me off of that, I'm going to keep doing it. I, I do find that, that if, I'm, if I may interrupt you, uh -huh. um, th that argument of cl clients telling you, uh, hey, we want a WordPress site. Usually, in my ex in experience, when you ask further, and you probably do the same, is... They don't want a WordPress site. They they want to be able to edit a website like yeah. they've done once in WordPress, right? Because they don't know uh, what it entails when you pick WordPress over Craft or over Statomic or over whatever. They should be able to trust you in making the right decision for which tools to use for them. So I'm positive that if you if your agency would want to change, you 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 will keep your clients. They still love you for the work you do and the end <laughs> I, results I think you create. So. So I, I actually talked to Tamara, um, our boss, about this, um, and she had a good point that it's also a better value for the clients because it's much easier to find a WordPress dev. Like if they are unable to afford, you know, the support after we launch the site, mm -hmm. they can very quickly and easily find another WordPress agency to jump in. Whereas, you know, kind of craft devs or statomic devs or kind of harder to find they're fewer yeah, I agree. especially like agency sized you know yeah. uh that, so I that's think... a very fair point yeah yeah but if you if you turn it around um I, I love that she thinks about her customers in that way but if you turn that around what i've found that in picking 
a smaller CMS, I actually got more work uh, more easily because yeah. there's not so many devs doing that, right? That's um, so actually how I started in WordPress because everyone was still doing Drupal, Drupal and Joomla and there right. wasn't very oh. many WordPress devs. <laughs> so that's funny how time moves on. Now you're almost in, a, in another niche because I'd imagine it's quite hard to find a larger specialist WordPress agency. When I say large, I mean a, a WordPress agency that, that helps larger sites. What I see is a lot of WordPress agencies that just do like generic things. Whereas if you're building really bespoke themes, Amber, and that is like a huge selling point of, of your agency, I can also understand the temptation not to leave that because you've carved out your own niche from a marketing point of view. Yeah. So why would you leave that? It's only really if you really want to change like the dev workflow and, and want to pick up the fancy stuff and the other CMSs. But if you don't want that business-wise, it's also an advantage to, to stay in WordPress land. So I can understand that. Yeah. Plus you enjoy it. You love oh, it. I love it. I, I do. Even though I can hate on the Gutenberg stuff, but again, <laughs> like we did a really large site recently for a kind of a credit card comparison tool thing. And they, you know, uh, one of their requirements was Gutenberg because a lot of their content was in it. And so I got to get really deep into it because sometimes, you know, like you said earlier, um, is it just that I, am I hating on it just because I don't know it or am I hating on it because it legitimately sucks, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I got really in deep and really got to the ins and outs of Gutenberg. And I will say using ACF with Gutenberg to make the blocks makes things a hundred times easier. Yeah. You don't have to touch any react, do you? Yes. That way. No, no, yeah. no, you don't. You do still yeah. have to, you, there are still a lot more steps than just creating ACF groups like the old way. Um, cause you have mm -hmm. to register the blocks in the back end, and there are, there is some extra f functions and JavaScript you have to add, but it does make it a hundred times easier. And it did make the process a lot nicer and it's more flexible and you spend less time building the back end. Yeah. You know? that's, that's, that's fantastic. They should buy ACF, man. I mean, I know. It would make it much more tempting. I really feel like WordPress misstepped because they were trying to, you know, they made Gutenberg to try to compete with, you know, Squarespace and these kind of drag and drop sites. But if instead they had just bought out ACF Pro and ACF Extend and like natively merged that, it would be a fantastic CMS. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to use a curse word there. <laughs> what? I said, I thought you were going to curse then because you were, no. it's going to be a fantastic scene. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's early in the morning here. I'm tired. <laughs> At 11.30 a.m. <laughs> oh, wow. It's dinner time here. On that note, that's a good wrap-up. That's a great place to end it. I, I just want to mention that, um, I think we've mentioned this before on the pod, Jay, but there's always a misconception that CMSs that are considered not good can't create great websites. That's, that's just BS. Uh, you can make fantastic website with WordPress. And um, I love the stuff you do. Your portfolio is amazing. Um, shout out to that. Oh, thank you. It's the whole team. Like we, we gel sure. so well together and I couldn't do the stuff that I do without them. 
you know, because we all kind of have our favorite areas. And that's what's really great is I get to do the stuff I love to do and then hand off the stuff I don't love to somebody who does love doing it. Yeah, you know? that's perfect. Yeah. And so it comes with the best. It, it comes out the best product it can be because we're all doing what we really love. I just like to echo Rob's admiration. Because I think I even joked to you uh, about a month ago, Amber. I said, oh, if you ever want to get any uh, satanic work going, then please invite me into <laughs> your agency. <laughs> I did. I mentioned you. I said, hey, if we ever get any clients who insist on, <laughs> how do you guys pronounce it? I thought it was like, is it statomic? It's statomic, but Jay, Jay, Jay mispronounces it all the time. <laughs> no, no. Rob mispronounces it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did tell her. I was like, I know some devs. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I was I was sort of half joking, but also not joking. So it, it's it's so much more fun to do dev work when you have great designers, you know. Yeah. Who, oh yeah, and it's just it's so much fun translating their work. True that. Yep. Yeah, that that's what the three of us do all the time. I think, plus a little <laughs> design work ourselves. But yeah, that's it's the most amazing part of our job is after twenty years is still making a design come to life. Um, yeah and then yeah add add stuff to it it's it's just it's the best i love it still love it yeah i love it seeing the client smiles on their faces when they're like wow you actually did the thing and on time like you said you would (laughs) and i'm like yeah that's the basics of business but yeah that's what we do okay yeah (laughs) that's my job and thanks for all your insights on wordpress i would be interested interested to see where wordpress is in another year maybe we can uh, have you back on then yeah yeah Amber can be a friend of the pod come back i would anyway. love to be yeah. a friend of the pod <laughs> you're already a friend of the pod oh <laughs> do i get a t-shirt we're not there yet. when we make them you will <laughs> we're still doing the website <laughs> okay thanks all for listening and thank you amber for joining us thank you thanks amber and just as a reminder if you're a listener you can follow us at code rush on mastodon i think it's code rush pod Unless you're Rob, who's not on Mastodon. There we go. True. Bye-bye. Bye.